Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host today. And today, we're going to talk about how many swallows make a spring. That saying, how many swallows make a spring, isn't a very old saying. It goes to ancient Greece, we think. And But what it means is that one observation is not a strong indicator of a fact or a trend that one observation provides very little data. And so you have to accumulate more information before you can reach stronger conclusions. Think about flipping a coin. Let's think about the problem of where you, where you have a coin and you want to establish whether or not this is a fair coin or whether it is an unfair coin, weighted in some way, either to produce tails or heads. And so you flip the coin and it comes up heads. Can we conclude that we have an unfair coin from that? Well, obviously we can't because when before we flipped the coin, we said there was a 50-50 chance that we would get heads. And the fact that we got heads could mean that we have an unfair coin that only flips heads, or it could mean that we have a fair coin that just happened to flip heads. And so we flip that coin again and we get another heads. Now what does our probability, uh, how would we assess our probability of having an unfair coin now that we've flipped it and it's come up heads twice? Well, obviously the odds are a little better that it's an unfair coin. Uh, We would have expected flipping a coin twice that we would get heads heads about one in every four times. Um, And more to the point, I guess, getting heads, heads, or tails, tails, since we don't know whether an unfair coin would be a heads coin or a tails coin, uh, is about a one in two chance. Uh, So you still can't tell a whole lot. Maybe your odds have gone up a little bit that you have a heads biased coin. So you flip the coin again and you get heads again. So now you've had heads three times in a row. And so that's a less likely event if you have a, a, a fair coin, but it certainly isn't unreasonable. And so this goes on and on and on. You can keep flipping the coin, keep flipping the coin, and, and sooner or later, uh, you will conclude you've flipped it 36 times in a row and it's come up heads every time. At some point, you say to yourself, you know, this seems fairly unlikely if this is a fair coin. And so you can start to conclude that it's an unfair coin. So we call this Bayesian inference, okay? So, so when you flip the coin the first time, you said the probability of getting heads was 0.5. And what Bayesian inference does is it says, okay, now let's look at the actual outcomes. And we have our prior distribution that where we thought the probability of getting heads was 0.5. And then based on what actually happens in reality, we can revise that estimate and come up with a posterior distribution that tells us what we think now, having given this information, uh, this, this, these actual outcomes, what now do we think the probability of, of, a, uh, of, a, of a getting a heads on this coin are? And so as we keep flipping more and more heads, then we the probability, our, our assessed posterior distribution our assessed probability of getting heads on the next flip 
goes up because we start to have more and more of a hint that this might be an unfair coin. And, and so if you, if we have, if that probability of getting heads and our expectation gets far enough away from 0.5, then we can start to conclude with some statistical probability, some sort of confidence level that we have an unfair coin and not a fair coin. We can reject the hypothesis that the coin is fair at some level of confidence. And as you might suspect, and given the way I'm talking about this and the fact that I men mentioned Bayes, there's a lot of math around this. And, and you know, this is classic statistics stuff where, you know, we, we have these uh, uh, contrived examples of sort of flipping coins or rolling dice or whatever. I guess they're not contrived. That's the way those... That's the way coins and dice actually work, but, but, but very classic uh, tools of the st statistician's trade, I guess. Um, and so similarly, the, the, the phrase, one swallow does not a spring make, um, is, is similar in the sense that, okay, if you have one swallow, you can't conclude that it's spring. If you start to see four and five and 10 flocks of swallows, the chances that you are in spring uh, goes up considerably. Okay, so I'm not the swallow guy. I'm not the coin guy, I'm the inflation guy. So what does all of this have to do with inflation? Well, the flipping coin is obviously sort of the very definition of of something which is transitory. You flip a coin, it comes up heads or tails, and then that's done. And you flip it again and you get a different outcome. So, so we, we get this, these, this string of these transitory outcomes, and yet once we've accumulated enough of those, we can start to reach conclusions that there's something going on that's not transitory at all. So in inflation, that's one of the reasons we look at these central tendency measures other than headline inflation or core inflation. We look at median, we look at trimmed mean, things like that, because we know that any one large deviation in, in prices in one particular category doesn't necessarily mean and probably doesn't mean a change in the underlying process one swallow does not a spring make. Similarly, when uh, mobile phone prices or, or mobile phone uh, data packages dramatically drop in price as they did several years ago, that doesn't suddenly mean we're in a deflationary outcome. And when used car prices skyrocket 30%, it doesn't mean necessarily that we're in an inflationary outcome. That's one swallow. It's one flip of the coin. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, anything about the underlying process, and it's the underlying process that we care about, because if the underlying process is stable and the and and you know two percent is is kind of the level of inflation that we expect, and there's no change in that underlying process, then we're good. We don't. We can look past all of these little things that happen. These transitory phenomena. But if you start to get multiple large deviations or, or, be, or it gets broader, you get many deviations, then that increases the chance that there has been a change in the underlying process. 
it doesn't change the fact that each one of these things is transitory. The the year-on-year rate of increase in used car prices is transitory. It's not going to be up at 20% or 30% year-on-year forever. It can't be because used cars before long would be worth as much as the national debt because that's how compounding works. So, So we know that that's transitory, but does it give us any information about the underlying distribution? And the collection of many of these transitory things in the same direction is not noise. It becomes signal. And so that's really what was significant about this last CPI report, uh, and I mentioned in our last podcast, uh, was that it was so broad. Now, this is actually kind of a little bit closer to what the Fed means when they talk about you know, inflation targeting and average inflation. They don't necessarily mean sort of a straight arithmetic average. What they're really kind of saying is that they they are they want to gather enough information and they have models which tell them what the underlying process is doing. Is it still stable at the level they thought or is it starting to move higher? And so certain outcomes uh, move that more than other things. So it's a, it's a little more sophisticated than sort of a straight average. At the end of the day, we don't know the true underlying mean. Just like with any coin, no matter how many times we flip it, we don't know what the true underlying mean is. We don't know whether or not this is a fair coin. We don't know, no matter how many times we flip it, we can never be certain that this is a, a, a an unfair coin. We might have just gotten lucky and gotten 74 heads in a row. There is some probability, there's some chance that that happens. And so we can never say with complete certainty that we know that this coin is fair or unfair. We can't say with complete certainty that we know that the underlying distribution of inflation has or hasn't changed. But that's what we're looking for. We're looking for information, more and more swallows indicating that, yeah, it's probably not winter right now because we're seeing more and more birds. So here's the current situation. I mentioned it's it's obviously we had this number where we got this broadening and we saw median inflation uh, rise at the largest month-on-month rate since 1982, really since the since modern definitions of the CEPI categories uh, happened. Um, we've never seen month-on-month median inflation higher than it was this this most recent month of 0.57, which is a a nearly a 7% rate of inflation if you if you were to take that and multiply that by 12. And the three-month average of median inflation is 0.45, which is about a 5.5% rate of inflation. Is that enough information to tell us that something is different here? The six-month change, the six-month average of month-on-month median inflation is 0.36, or a 4.3% annualized rate. Is that enough? Nine Over the last nine months, median inflation is up at an average of 0.31 or 3.7% year-on-year. Is that enough to tell us that the underlying process has changed? Or 
or put a different way, given those numbers, what's the probability that median inflation is still around two and a half percent? And I say two and a half percent because median inflation historically, for at least the last 20 years or so, has always run a bit above core CPI inflation. And so two and a half percent is roughly consistent with a Fed target of two percent or so on, on core PCE. In, in my opinion, the odds are very small now that we have not shifted regimes, that we have the odds are small that we have not gone from a 2.5% median inflation or a 2% core PCE world to something which is 3%, 3.5% or even higher. We see lots and lots of swallows, and in my opinion, I think spring is here. Thanks for listening. This is a fairly short podcast because the concept is pretty straightforward, but I think it's profound. I think it is, it is uh, important to understand that even if individual markets experience transitory phenomena that we can point to and say they're transitory, it does not necessarily follow that there is not something fundamental happening, especially as we see more and more of those things. And, and I just wanted to give an idea of sort of what the, what the intellectual underpinnings of that argument really look like. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, ec economics is treated as something of an art, and it is, uh, but there's also a fair amount of science involved, just not the same science that we often see applied by the PhD economists, but that's a story for another day. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you want to contact me, if you have any questions or comments about this episode, uh, you can send me an email at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. That's investments with an S. Or you can go to enduringinvestments.com and fill out the contact form. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. And you can go to the blog at mikeashton.wordpress.com. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. Inflation Guy has his standards. You can, of course, download the Inflation Guy app from your App Store or Google Play Store. And you can contact me from within the app as well. And, of course, you can come back and listen to another version of Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. Defend your money. And if inflation is coming for you, remember, you know about it.